Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, my name is John Imhoff. I'm a uh, shareholder in the Global Transportation Finance Group at, uh, in the New York office of Vetter Price. Uh, we're an international law firm with offices in the United States, London, and Singapore. Uh, this is the new sources of financing panel, one of the most exciting uh, parts of the program, I'm sure. Um, I'm not going to introduce the panelists. They're, you can see on the screen who they are, and uh, their biographies are all in the, in the pamphlet. Um, I think I'm going to jump right into what I think is the most interesting question, and that is to ask each panelist to describe who he is, the bank he represents, and, and, and perhaps they can give us some inkling of why you are getting back to uh, ship finance or getting into ship finance at this point in time. Heraclis, could you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll keep it short because I understand we're running a, a bit behind schedule. So ATP um, entered into shipping finance about two and a half years ago uh, with a very clear view to stay in business for the long run. We have established 20 relationships, give or take. About half relate to Greece, directly or indirectly. Uh, we have the mandate to do uh, transactions on the four, let's call them, conventional segments, including gas. Um, the other three are containers, dry, and tankers. And, and in, in very short, and I will you know, uh, give the opportunity for a short introduction to, to my fellow panelists, we are a small boutique bank that, has, that tries to have a flexible approach to shipping finance and pretty much bring back the old good uh, relationship banking. That's in very short. Evan? I'm relatively new to CIT, and CIT is not new to shipping. Uh, someone recently referred to my joining as CIT Shipping 3.0. I see my predecessor 2.0 is in the audience, and I have to thank them for a, a good portfolio, a nice platform to build on. And CIT is looking to be a re-enter the markets with conservative senior loans to their client base and to some new partners, and we're comparable to Heracles and ATB. So about 25 clients. Uh, a third of our business is here in Greece, a third in Europe, say Hamburg-based, another third in the New York-Connecticut corridor. Um, and we're going to modestly and conservatively rebuild that portfolio with unexciting senior debt. And uh, the markets are exciting enough, so we'll support our good clients. And, and Marcus, uh, tell, us, tell us what uh, Hellenic Bank is doing. Yeah, Hellenic Bank is the second largest bank in Cyprus. Um, we have been uh, starting building our ship finance activities in 2016. Um, I have been active in the market since 2017 now. Um, for us, the decision to go into ship finance was twofold. One um, was to diversify the entire business because as all separate banks, we had a cluster which was called Cyprus. And the second uh, driving force there was that we are not entirely new to shipping. We have been active in shipping uh, with a focus on transaction banking for the last 40 years. So it was a natural step to expand into ship finance there as well. We focus on um, the Cypriot and Greek markets, um, the, liquid mar uh, the liquid assets, dry bulk tankers, including products and LPG and containers. We are not going into niche markets and uh, we consider ourselves to be a boutique bank in ship finance. We give ourselves time to, um, to build the portfolio, we are not rushing into things, we understand that the markets, uh, as Evan said, uh, are exciting enough, so um, we offer very traditional ship finance. 
And last but not least, Morton, I, this is something of a uh, back to the future for you. Back to the future. Uh, I'm advisor to Macquarie Bank, which is an Australian bank. Uh, it's best known as being the world's largest infrastructure financer. It's a major equipment financer. It had never got involved in shipping until after the financial crisis. And when the bank or some people in the bank saw a number of the traditional banks exit and a lot of the remaining ones reduce in a sort of classical counter-cyclical move, they decided this is the right time to build a ship financing business. We spent the first part of the year educating the bank and building a team. There is a team now. It sits in Zurich uh, and also in London. And uh, I think following a comment from the last comment, we now can deliver what we say we can in the time frame that we promise we can. Uh, ticket size is any, as small as 15 million, as much as 150 million. Old ships, new ships, small owners, big owners, public, private, corporate, non-recourse, and uh, Greece is going to be a very important market for us, and I hope next year that we will have come back here to a bigger Capital Link Forum. We'll have done repeat deals with some of the existing clients we have here, and new deals with a number of the new ones we meet here today. Thank you. So, I have to ask the panelists, I mean, Morton, you touched on it a little bit, but um, with with what are often called traditional lenders pulling back and tightening credit uh, and new entrants coming in in the alternative finance uh, sector with uh, lending at higher rates and, and, and the market becoming tougher, why now? Why, why, why is it now a good time to come back into ship lending? And, and Evan, since, since you coming from CIT, and CIT has some history in, in uh, ship finance. Maybe you could answer that question or start, start with us. Sure. Uh, I have to stop giving credit to my predecessor, but part of it is CIT had success in the past. Um, there was very little, if any, legacy problem. Uh, CIT is a tradition of doing the ship finance, and it was time to come back to the market. So with a fresh platform, with a fresh start, it's, a, it's good business, and it fits the rest of the CIT infrastructure. There is a bank company in place to handle the work. And Morton, how, how were you able to convince uh, Macquarie that this is the right time to build up a shipping finance platform? Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest problem with ship financing since the late 70s, and I, that's when I started, was that the traditional banks gave money to non-investment grade shipping industry at investment grade pricing. And that was the case throughout the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, the first decade, and kind of went crazy for a while in, um, uh, during the, the, the early 2000s. Uh, that's changed. Um, and the way our approach to lending is that we want to lend money at the same time it makes sense to invest equity. So when markets are tough, uh, we did our first deals were in the dry bulk and, and container space in 2016, 2017. When asset values are low, uh, when, when pricing is higher, uh, you're going to enter at a good equity time, and it's a good time to be lending. And, and you, you, so you think it's, it, the, the opportunities outweigh the risks at this point in the cycle? I think just as so many of the owners in this room know, putting your equity to work, buying a ship, if you do it at the right time with the right amount of leverage and you know what you're doing, you're going to make a decent return, and we're there to help them do that. And Mark, Marcus, you, you have um, a lot of experience in ship finance, uh, 
Uh, tell us why uh, Hellenic Bank decided to uh, to jump in, in addition to you know, being already somewhat involved in the shipping industry through uh, your work with ship managers and so on. Um, you need to ask the board of directors of the bank. The decision was made before I joined. Um, but I think um, the bank understands that um, it's a low point in the cycle. It's not the lowest, but it's a low point in the cycle. And using the metaphor of a ship owner, it's, I think he is in the, in the audience. Um, when you have an elevator from first to the tenth floor, when you land at fifty percent, but you're on the ninth floor, you downside risk is high. When you land at fifty percent, when you're on the second floor, you downside risk is low. And this is pretty much how we approach it. At the same time, we believe that um, still the markets are very difficult. Um, we don't blindly follow loan-to-value approaches and land for every project. Um, we cherry-pick basically the project, the transactions we want to do, and because we believe that um, with the markets we are seeing that there are fundamental changes in trade patterns going forward, and we need to, to land to the right owner for the right asset and the right market. Okay. And, and, and Iraklis, um do you agree? Is it the, the opportunity to get in at the right time in the cycle and uh, uh, to uh, participate in the financing of ships at, at a more rational uh, level? 100%. Uh, that's a fundamental point for ADB. We stepped in uh, the dry bell market in 2017. Um, we ended up the year with, and that's an example only, we ended up the year with having about two-thirds of our portfolio on dry. Uh, which was a great tactical location because the market turned as we hoped and you know now our partners enjoy a very nice return with low leverage um, it's a great platform and um, and of course you know we have been there to support them to grow the business at the perfect point in time last year we did the same with tankers um, we closely monitor the various segments that we can do business and depending on how those behave then we take a position once we feel that the market is picking up it's becoming a bit too hot then we might refrain from doing transactions and hopefully we'll act as a barrier of you know, uh, helping some of uh, the companies to avoid mistakes potentially. Of course they have the knowledge better than us, but mm -hmm. we act as a second layer. Mm. And, and um, it, 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 since, since some of the, some of the panelists tar touched on the, you know, what they're targeting to do, and you just mentioned that you may you know, back off if the market overheats, tell us who your target uh, borrowers are and what you're trying to do, what products you have available for them, and how you can help them in this in this market. Uh, we, our business model uh, caters for quite a bit of flexibility. Yes, we are a bank. Yes, we have to adhere to quite a few requirements, which are increasing actually over time. But our clientele ranges from small enterprises with uh, impeccable track record, and that's crucial to us, and the know-how all the way to some of the largest privately owned groups in Greece and abroad. Um, it's, it's not a secret to say that we're not the cheapest lender out there. We are also not the most expensive. But what we try to do is, as a small boutique bank, is to try to become relevant to our partners. And big groups have all kinds of needs, smaller and bigger, with all kinds of parameters associated with that. And if we can play a role and try to meet the requirements for central sections, that's great. But Equally, we, uh, we assess the same uh, a smaller firm, which has the need to grow, and you know, that can be done at the right point in time, and we'll be there to support them. So we are also focusing on senior secured uh, lending, uh, first priority uh, secured, but it doesn't mean that we haven't also looked and entered into transactions that might be seen a bit more special. Mm. Um, 
mezzanine financing, top-up layers uh, on the capital structure. So we are flexible in that respect. Of course, all the products are not for all the groups. Depending on the needs and, and the various parameters, we can take a look. Would you, you mentioned that you wouldn't, you would be open to uh, special deals. Um, would you be willing to work with uh, some of the more traditional ship finance lenders and some of the alternative finance providers in that respect? We have no problem with that, but we need to make the, the deal work. For instance, um, in cases that we have to team up with a non-bank, the integrator agreement plays a huge role, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, again, we are open-minded. We try to look at stuff and, uh, and try to be relevant to our partners to the extent we can. There is not just one set or one product that we offer and nothing else. We have a flexible mandate. We are buying, we're buying bounded by certain parameters but we can uh, happily look at various elements. And, and Evan, your, your, target, uh, your target customer, are they the, sort of the same or, or different? And you mentioned also that you know, not necessarily every deal is for CIT. No, we're, we're trying to avoid special, at least in the, okay. be in the beginning. Um, I would say we have three core clients. We have the existing client base, which we know well, and they've performed well, and we try to further develop that relationship, and that's significant. We're working today with partner banks, so some of the traditional senior banks, the DVBs and the credit agricoles out there, who have done, have great clients, have uh, done their analysis, and we can help them, and we can work with that client in a small club deal. Um, the size of the deal, not so small, that's why they would like our capacity, and that's a good way for us to work. And we're working with some of the funds in that New York, Connecticut corridor, and we're not shy to provide back leverage to a discrete, specific pool of assets. So working with partners and working with our existing clients and also targeting a few that would be nice to bring into CIT. Very good. And Marcus, how, how about you? Um, you, you uh, based in Cyprus, are you focused in the, on that geographical area, this area, or are you um, open to, uh, to more? And what's, what are your ambitions? If we were only focusing on Cyprus, we wouldn't have done much because we are in an event-driven business and waiting for 10, 15 owners in Cyprus to buy a vessel or having a refinancing situation could take some time. So um, we look at Cyprus and Greece, the majority of our business is here in Greece. Um, when it comes to um, the owner's profile, we are looking at, um, primarily we are looking at um, private owners. Um, we are not so focused on size anymore. We, in the beginning, said we look at small to medium-sized owners because this is where we believe we can add most value through um, our setup with, with the ship finance desk and the transaction banking desk. We found out that we are also relevant to larger owners simply because we don't have minimum ticket sizes. And, um, I just learned that even funds have minimum ticket sizes, so obviously a smaller loan comes at cost, but we can do loans below 10 million. Um, and for us, it's, it's the owner's capabilities are more important than um, the owner's size, so we prefer a smaller owner who can micromanage his or her fleet rather than having a large owner that's completely inefficient. Um, and, and, and Morton, you're in a slightly different position. Macquarie is a very big bank. 
Um, you know, what size deals are you looking for and what target customers do you have in mind as, uh, as you uh, help Macquarie uh, explore the world of ship finance? I think the, uh, we're staying in the liquid segments of the shipping industry. So no sheep carriers, no offshore vessels. Uh, we could do as little as 15, as much as 150. Um, uh, geographically, it's it, some in Asia, a lot in Greece, some in Scandinavia, some in the States. Probably half of our transactions have a private equity ownership in them. And we're doing a number of the deals where we're providing senior debt and the alternative guys on the last panel are providing junior debt. And that combination creates more efficient uh, money. In fact, we have two transactions in the audience here today. So. That's, that's good. Uh, and any particular market segments? I mean, you mentioned some things you wouldn't do, and you mentioned some geographical. In 2016 and 2017, it was mainly dry bulking containers, and uh, that looked shocking at the time because you were barely earning OPEX, and both the owners we supported and our loans now look terrific. Mm. And now we're doing looking a lot more in the tanker space, which is, well, it's a little unpredictable right now, but it's, it's, it's been depressed the last year. And let me ask you, I'll start to start another line of questioning for the panel. I mean, how do you distinguish yourselves from uh, some of the more traditional shipping banks and some of the alternative finance providers? You, I heard some numbers thrown around, but uh, why, should, why should borrowers who have a choice of, of capital providers come to you uh, as opposed to some of your competitors from the previous panels? I, I think the answer is pretty easy. A number of the banks have exited. A number of banks have thrown their clients out of the bank. I mean, we, we read about it in trade winds this week, about good old clients being thrown out. Uh, they don't want corporate banks, the companies that can't take them to, you know, in a bond transaction or an equity transaction or do a, you know, merger with a over-leveraged public company. Uh, we're, we're interested in, we're financing the ships and people that know how to run those ships well. That's the... Would you agree with that approach at CIT, Evan? Yeah, and you want you want to pick good good owners. That's the starting point. Um, CIT, a U.S. regulated bank, has some eccentric credit regulations, or slightly different from our competitors. So that sometimes makes it difficult. But what makes it easier is CIT is less sensitive on ticket size. So slightly, on average, we can do a little bit more, 30, 35 million, and is very open to working with its good partners, whether that's the ship owner directly, another senior lender, or one of the funds. And Marcus, do you have anything, anything to add from, uh, to, to that uh, question? Um, not really to be honest. Okay. I mean, everything is said. We are, um, in the end, we are looking at the same target audience here. We are pretty much um, providing the same product. How do we differentiate to um, the large banks, we have capital, we have liquidity, we want to deploy, but we are not rushing into um, into the markets uh, like there's no tomorrow. I think we all understand that there are risks out there, and this is uh, um, pretty much that um, unites us, that we take a more market-driven approach rather than asset-driven approach. And, and Arachlis, how do you distinguish, your, how do you distinguish ATB from uh, some of the other sources of capital out there? I think the answer is pretty simple, and we heard also um, the previous panelists, especially about some of the biggest banks, that they have certain requirements. And whether if you meet them, fine. If you don't meet them, you know you might have a great business. You might end the, the 
the, the business at the right point in time, but they might not be there for that. So the, the industry requires some flexibility. And that's, I think, the message that also uh, my fellow panelists try to, to convey is that we, uh, at least for ADB, this applies definitely, we're trying to bring that flexibility in a concrete manner to the table, uh, depending on the circumstances. Uh, I think that's a crucial point of uh, differentiation. Got it. Well, l let me ask you this question. Um, you are all industry veterans. You're all, um, in a sense, uh, in a new venture. And um, uh, you must have given some consideration to the market and where it's been for the last 10 years. Um, how do you avoid falling into the same traps that we've fallen into before with uh, ship financing? What mistakes did lenders make over the last uh, 10 years or so? Evan, do you want to take a crack at that one? <laughs> Not that I made any mistakes, but okay. Um, yeah. So, in the last iteration, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. At the last iteration, the problem cases were um, when you lent to the same, the people in the same village. You could not take a, dis it was very difficult to take a dispassionate view on how to resolve an issue. So, that's something to be careful for. In this new iteration, I'm reminded and guided by my, my current shareholders that it is break even, break even, break even. So a 50% loan in the bottom half of the cycle, you are going to, in a, in a liquid asset, you're going to be okay as the debt provider. So, if, and there's enough business out there to do that. So there is good, safe business to do. And that's the takeaway for me. And Morton, do you think it's, it was loan-to-value mania that uh, got us into trouble before? Were we just lending too much against uh, volatile uh, assets with, or assets well, with I, volatile I, values? I mean, you were, you were doing 80% financing for $100 million capes, and then underwriting the equity for two years at less than 100 basis points. You know, Wiley Griffiths would underwrite $200 million for four minutes and get paid four points. That's the way it, we went crazy conservative, counter-cyclical lending in the liquid segments with people know to operate ships, and you'll do just fine. Heraclis, is that what you're, would you agree with that approach? Yes. Was, was it, uh, and how much of it was competition in the, in, uh, over the years where bankers were fighting for, to make loans, just to put loans on the books and would uh, maybe take risks with the terms and uh, 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 advance too much against uh, too little or lend uh, with inadequate pricing. I think that still happens today mm. on different uh, buckets, let's say, but it happens still today. Mm. Um, which, are, you know, on one hand it's healthy, but on the other hand it has to be done on a realistic basis, as Morden said, uh, and not just for the sake of competing and uh, making no money from a transaction. Um, also, to try to answer the question on how uh, you started about what kind of measures we can introduce in order to avoid doing the same mistakes. Uh, for us, it's pretty simple. We have split the, the cycle on, on four segments. If we were at the lowest part of it, we'd be more than happy to, uh, to go and, uh, and team up with partners and expand the business. If we are the top part of, of the cycle, we are not going to do any business whatsoever, even if there's a long-term charter. Because we have seen in recent past that even you know, some of the bigger groups out there that were considered as AAA, they didn't perform. Not all of them, but some of them. 
And we, if we are in the middle, then we'll need some um, other measures to meet reduce. But that's got to be kind of tough. I mean, you've got relationship clients who may come to you at the top of the cycle and say, hey, what do you think? I'm going to buy some more vessels. Give me a loan. What do you do? As I said, we'll try to act as a defensive uh, uh, partner to them, saying that maybe you like to reassess, maybe you like to... Uh, for a different approach, but you know that's only an opinion, nothing else, uh, and everybody has one. So. And, and Marcus, what do you think? I mean, you've seen what's happened over the last uh, 10 years. It's been uh, uh, interesting to say the least. What, uh, what, uh, what, what, what do you think you're going to do to avoid uh, uh, the problems that have happened in the past? I think one of the mind trips of humans is that they follow trends, and we have seen it before the crisis with the banks, ship finance gut or shipping gut um, too glamorous. Banks thought or bankers thought it would only continue to go up after the um, markets collapsed. Financial investors came and thought it's a simple turnaround play. More and more financial investors invested. They all burned their fingers. Now there are just very few left. And I think it's critically important, and Evan mentioned it, um, to determine what break-even rate is healthy and to understand what point in the cycle we are in and to understand how the markets work because a 50% loan when the freight market is not there will deliver you a 50% non-performing loan in the end. So the understanding of how the freight markets, which I consider to be um, the, the um, they are the actual markets where there, there is demand for the vessels, whereas in the S&P markets, they could be artificially um, disrupted by supply and demand and by market liquidity. But when you have actual fixings, this is what pays you the vessel. So what we have seen, for instance, in the last few months is that capes have collapsed. The market values or the freight markets for capes have collapsed. The market values are still fairly high, but there is no market liquidity. So you have a 50% loan, but unfortunately, um, the cash flow has dried up, dried out. So, another question. I guess how how do you view looking out into the market? How do you see uh, uh, lenders pricing their loans? Are they pricing loans appropriately? Uh, uh, Evan, do you want to answer that question? I, I did because it connects to the last question. So, the problems came from the problems we saw in the past, where asset type and advance ratio. Never had a problem because it was underpriced. I know Morton, it hurts his conscience, but that didn't, wasn't the source of the problem. So are we underpriced today? I don't, yes, I don't disagree with Morton, but that's not going to be the source of the problem. Well, Morton, what, what do you think about uh, uh, Evan's uh, remark? He, he mentioned that you, you have a view on this. I'm agnostic on this question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Marcus, what do you think? We started with you. I think I, I've said my view on that. In the end, it's, uh, it's the understanding of, uh, of how the two markets work together. If uh, there's a lack of understanding... Oh, sorry. It's... You need to understand how the two markets work together. If there's an understanding, 9% uh, loan will not pay you back. Mm. So you can agree on whatever pricing if the cash flow is not there, yeah. you have a problem. 
And, and Oracles, do you have a view? I think in particular to add uh, to that, um, just only to say the fact that, uh, yes, there are transactions that aren't priced. Uh, we have seen some of them. Um, we don't understand them. Um, we are not there to do them, obviously. Uh, but again, we are not also here to deploy billions of capital. Uh, like uh, some other banks. Um, we would like to, to, to establish a manageable portfolio which can ride the various cycles, diversified across four segments, uh, and I will split LPG to LNG. LNG is growing fast, um, and that's how we like uh, to... Uh, John, one uh, just disagreement with the rocket. If at the top of the cycle, uh, Nick Sakos came to us with one of his five or 10 year investment grade oil company charters, we'd finance it because we know he'd perform and we know the oil company would perform. If they came to us with a top of the market with a spot transaction, we'd probably do what Iraq is saying, which is pass. Mm. And if it was a charter to a South Korean entity that periodically defaults on charters, we'd probably say no. But if you build it the way the companies are building it smartly, we will be there to support them. Well, look, we're running a little bit. <laughs> At delivery. Uh, one, one, uh, let, me, let me ask the panelists the next question and see now you're getting into the market or getting back into the market of ship finance. Where do you see things going from here? What, uh, what are the risks and rewards? Um, what the, the last panel was asked the same question. We, we, we anticipated one answer and we got a series of very different answers. Uh, Evan, do you want to take, take a crack at that one? Sorry, it didn't mean to surprise you. Interesting question. Um, I guess the risk is of straying from the core sectors we want to lend to. So like the rest of the senior lenders up here, sticking with the, the liquid asset types, um, bulkers, tankers, containers, gas, and not getting too specialized or big or small. And that would be the risk. So getting into asset types that aren't as liquid if you run into difficulties. And Morton, one of the things you, we, we talked about at one point was uh, what, what lenders should be doing to improve the market and preserve uh, the the financeability of, of, of vessels. Um, and you had brought up the um, the, the Hong Kong Convention for Safe and Economically Sound Recycling, green in the uh, green passports. Should we be doing? Should we be requiring compliance with that? Uh, uh, I think the uh, for a lot of banks, this is sort of an academic issue because they don't finance old ships. We finance old ships. We finance four VLCCs that were between 16 and 17 years old, one of which has been recycled. And I think you heard from the, the panelists at, at ABNM, or they're trying to help the industry do that. Financing older ships makes sense when it makes sense to put equity in older ships. And right now, if you look at most of the tankers and dry bulk, eight to 12-year-old vessels are probably the best place to put your money. Most banks won't <laughs> finance those. We will. But if there is a possibility the ship is going to get recycled in India, uh, which is really the only place you can do with Hong Kong Convention, we're, we're, going to, we're going to insist that that is the way it's done because the industry cannot continue to tolerate that that ship recycling is done in a responsible way, both with the environment or with regard to the people that work there, and, and we will support that. And I think a number of the other traditional banks are doing that also. But the difference is they're doing it for new buildings, which is, 
and window dressing, we're actually financing older ships that may be recycled. And uh, Marcus, where, where do you see yourself in five or ten years at uh, Hellenic Bank? You're hopefully sitting on top of a very nicely performing portfolio of, uh, of, uh, of loans. Uh, for us, size doesn't really matter. We want to have a performing portfolio. Um, so we will never become a volume lender. We, I, in five years, I see to be ourselves uh, being established boutique <coughs> lender in the Cypriot and Greek market. Miraculous. What about uh, ATV? We have established a portfolio which is now around $350 million. If we can end the year with you know, close to half a billion, that's great. If not, that's also fine. Uh, once more, we are not here just to deploy capital for the sake of deploying capital. It needs to make sense. Uh, we come uh, from, you know, ATB comes from a point of view that has always had a very well diversified um, business plan and they would like to keep it like that. Um, we have commodities uh, as another business unit, we have corporates as another business unit, so we'll just deploy capital as necessary. Okay. I, we're out of time, but I'll ask the panelists if they have anything else they'd like to add. Uh, and, and any, anybody else want to? They'll all be available for questions after the panel and uh, at the cocktail party, I hope. Uh, so please feel free to, uh, to uh, you know, ask questions then and, and uh, connect. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you to uh, Capital Inc. And uh, happy anniversary. <laughs>